I want to invite you to take your Bible and open me to Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1 should be one of the easiest tasks we have today is to get to the Scripture. Genesis chapter 1, the very first book of your Bible, the first chapter of that first book. We're going to start a new series today, and I had uh, planned on it being uh, five, six, seven weeks, and uh, I keep wanting to add to it and add to it and add to it. So we may be here for a while, uh, but I want us to kind of work through the book of Genesis for uh, a few weeks. And, and we're not able to go chapter by chapter or verse by verse, but uh, it is my goal to, to kind of hit the high points in the book of Genesis to look at the main events, some of the main characters that are involved. Uh, the book of Genesis, of course, the word Genesis itself means beginning. It is the, uh, it's the start of something. It is an origin. And, and we see all kinds of beginnings in the book of Genesis. We see all kinds of starts. But today I want us to even look before there is a beginning. And that's the title of the message this morning, Before There Was a Beginning. Uh, as I said, in Genesis, we see all of these different starts that take place, but one thing that quickly emerges from the book is, and it remains constant in the book, and, and that is that God uh, is good to his creation. He initiates that goodness. He maintains that goodness all throughout the book. God is the focus of Genesis. God is the focus of Scripture, and that's revealed even in the opening verses of the Bible. Look with me in Genesis chapter 1. Let's read verses 1 through 3. Genesis 1-1 begins by saying, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light, and there was light. Even from these first verses of the book of Genesis, I want to share with you for a few minutes this morning what was present before the beginning. What was there even before there was a beginning? Because I think that when we understand what was there before the beginning, it speaks into our lives in a very profound way. In fact, three things I want to mention to you that were there before there was a beginning. Number one is this, before there was a beginning, there was deity. Before there was a beginning, there was deity. There was someone divine. There was someone that was great. There was someone who was omnipotent. That someone, of course, is God. In the beginning, God. Now, that is a unique tagline among the accounts of creation. In fact, in most every other creation account, the universe is depicted as coming from something or coming from someone. Some of those creation accounts would, 
would lend an idea that maybe there was, there was a, a battle between two gods, and whichever god won, boom, out came the universe. And in all of these accounts, humans are, are nothing more than just an accident or an afterthought, the result of, of some bigger cosmic forces at work, and it has nothing really to do with us. Not so, as we learn from Genesis. Not so as we learn from God. You see, in Genesis, everything starts with deity. Everything starts with one God who creates everything and everyone by himself with absolutely no help and out of absolutely nothing. Everything comes from God and everything exists for God. And the crown of God's creation, the fact that before there was a beginning, there was a deity, the crown of God's creation, guess what it is? When you look in the mirror, you're looking at the crown of God's creation. You're looking at the apple of God's eye. As Genesis chapter 1 and verse 26 tells us that God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over, every, uh, over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. Don't miss this. God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Here, here's the implication. If all things come from God, and if God has made people in his image, that means that the only place we will find meaning, the only place we will find purpose for our lives is in a relationship with God. Your heart is designed in such a way that the only way it can work as it is intended to work is when God is at the center. That's why Solomon said in Ecclesiastes that God has put eternity in the hearts of men. When God isn't in the right place, you will always feel incomplete. When God is not at the center, there will always be something that feels like it's missing. Before there was anything, there was God. Everything is from Him, and the only way that we can find meaning is in Him. Everything and everyone exists for Him. Before there was a beginning, there was deity. But a second thing that this text teaches us is this. Before there was a beginning, there was a desire. Before there was a beginning, there was a desire. I want you to, to revisit and, and look back with me in Genesis chapter 1, the first three verses. And I want you to see how in these first three verses, all persons of the Trinity are mentioned. 
Now, when we talk about the Trinity, I know it's a difficult concept to understand. Uh, one old country preacher back in the day, uh, he, he shared with me the best explanation for it. He said, you know, folks can't understand the Trinity, but I don't understand how a black cow eats green grass, gives white milk, and it turns into yellow butter, but pass me the steak and put the butter on top of it, right? So uh, we, can't, you know, we, we can't figure everything out, but we, we certainly believe it to be true because Scripture teaches us that God exists as Trinity, that, that there is one God, and, and He exists in relationship as Father, Son, and Spirit. And you see that that's not just in the red letters, because uh, in fact, the entire Bible ought to be red letters, because Jesus is permeating all the pages of Scripture, but it's right here in these verses. For example, it says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and earth, so there is, is the Father. And then it says that the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. There's God the Spirit. And think about how Jesus is involved here. How did God create? God created by speaking the Word. Let there be light. And there was light. The Word, when God speaks the Word, everything was created through a Word, which was Jesus. You say, well, what do you mean when God said that that was the meaning of Jesus? I'm, I'm glad that you asked that question because the answer is found for us over in John chapter 1, and the verses will be on the screen for you to see here in the sanctuary and at home as well. But look with me or read the verses as they appear in John chapter 1. Look at what John, how he opens his gospel by saying that in the beginning, there is again, the beginning, in the beginning was the Word, there's the Word, the spoken Word of God. And that word was with God. And that word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, through this word. And without him was not anything made that was made. From the opening words of Scripture, you see evidence of the Trinity, three persons expressed in one deity, God. Now here, let me tie this to, to desire. What this means is that in His very essence, from the very beginning, God has existed in relationship. God has existed in community. God did not create us because he was lonely. God didn't one day say, well, let me take some sugar and spice and everything that's nice and see what happens. God did not make us because he was lonely. God created us as an overflow of his love. God created us because he desired to have fellowship with us. Oh, don't miss this. The evidence of God desiring to fellowship with his creation is seen in how involved he is in the life of that which he created. When you go back and look at Genesis chapter 1 and Genesis chapter 2, I would challenge you sometime to read those chapters and look at how often it says, and God saw, and God saw. 
and God saw. With his eye, he saw. Listen, God always looks upon that which he has made. He is not distant from his creation. He always sees, and he never forgets what he has made. The implication of that is very encouraging. The implication of that truth is very simple. Whatever you're going through today, God sees. Are you in pain? And you think no one else has noticed? God sees. Have you been betrayed? And you think no one cares? God sees. God sees you. You have not been forgotten. God desired you before you ever knew Him and before you ever knew that you needed to desire Him. He took the initiative. He cares for you that much. In the beginning was this deity, and this deity had desire. Here's the third thing. Before there was a beginning, there was a deity, and there was a desire, but there was also darkness. Before there was a beginning, there was darkness. Genesis 1-2 tells us that darkness was over the face of the deep. Now, Genesis is written by Moses, and it's intriguing to me that Moses makes a point to mention darkness right before God speaks, because the words that God speaks, the very first words we hear from God, let there be light. Light is the only antidote to darkness. And so Moses makes a point of saying there is darkness, right? It's as if God intentionally created a dark, empty mess, and only then did the word, his spoken word, did the word go to work. I don't think that's an accident. I think that's very intentional. And I think it's very significant. And I think it teaches us some invaluable truths. You see, it is... God's Word alone that can bring order out of chaos. Things were dark before God spoke. Things were dark before the Word went to work in creation and brought forth life. Our lives are a formless void of darkness until the Word, Jesus Christ, comes in to bring light and life and peace, and order. Think about it this way. God's Word creates. Sin decreates. I know that's not a real word, but it, for the sermon it is today. God's Word creates, but sin decreates. It destroys, it deconstructs what God has put into order. You see, and what this means for our lives today is very simple. The Word of God alone can redeem what sin has destroyed. 
Let me take you back to John chapter 1, but this time I want to add a verse and look at it a little bit more fully. John chapter 1, again, how it opens. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. Look at verse 4. In Him was life. And that life was the light of men. Do you see the connection between John 1, Genesis 1, the connection of darkness and light, the spoken word of God, and now the manifest word of God? Because verse 14 of John chapter 1 tells us that that spoken word of God, it became flesh and dwelt among us. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. Jesus the Word that became flesh entered into a dark, <clears throat> sin-filled, chaotic world. And when He walked into this world, He brought life and light to it again. Think about it. Throughout His ministry, Jesus was constantly undoing the chaos and the darkness that was left by sin. He healed diseases. He made the lame to walk again. He walked on water Himself, overcoming the chaos in creation. Wherever sin had left a dark void, Jesus, who had been been dispelling darkness and chaos, he entered into that darkness to give light. He declared in those spots of darkness, let there be light. He forgave adulterers and thieves. He removed their shame. He transformed their lives so that Zacchaeus the thief became generous, so that Thomas who doubted became dedicated so that Peter who denied him began to declare him. But then something strange happened. This word was put into darkness and chaos himself. And when God's word died, creation went into chaos. Remember what happened to the earth when the light was crucified. The ground began to shake. When Jesus died, there was a midnight-like darkness that settled over the earth. Remember how in Genesis where the Spirit of God was hovering above those waters when Jesus was on the cross, that Spirit of God no longer hovered over him. For Jesus cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? God no longer saw his Son in that moment. As Genesis 1 tells us, and God saw, and God saw, and God saw. At that moment, God did not see as he turned his face away as the Word paid the price for the sin of the world. And listen, what happened on the cross? Jesus, the architect of creation, became the author of salvation. 
as he was put into the darkness, as he was put into the void of sin, so that we who had rejected that word could have light and life again. Jesus, watch this, Jesus allowed himself to be decreated on the cross so we could be recreated in the resurrection. To dispel the darkness. He came to make all things new. Jesus died on the sixth day of the week, the same day that man in creation was created. He was raised on the first day of the next week as if he was beginning a new creation. After his resurrection, when he meets his disciples, he, the, the scripture tells us he breathes on them and he says, receive the Holy Spirit. He was beginning a new creation in them. I want to ask you this morning, whether you're in this building or whether you're at home right now, is your life destroyed by sin? Has your life been distorted by sin? Is your life in the depths of darkness because of sin? Come to the light today. If you will turn to God by faith in Christ, he will make all things new by putting the word Jesus Christ into your life. You are made for him. You are loved by him. He can bring life and order out of the darkness and chaos that's in your life. And the greatest news of all is that he can do that today. He is so close to his creation that a simple prayer of faith to him today accomplishes salvation in your life. If you've never made a decision for Jesus Christ, if you've never made the choice to make him your Lord and Savior, he invites you to make that decision today. It's as simple as calling out to him in prayer. Confessing your sins, repenting, trusting in Jesus, asking God to save you. And you can do that right where you are in this building or in your home. Right where you are, you can cry out to Jesus today to save you from your sins. If that would be your desire today, we would love to rejoice in that with you. Again, whether you're here or whether you are worshiping with us from a distance. If you're here in the pew in front of you, you have a, a yellow card in that pew that is a next step card that you can take and complete and you can drop that in a box that we'll have available as you leave today. If you're at home, you can go to our website, fbcmilton.org decision. There's a link on the homepage for you to make that decision for Christ. I don't know what next step you need to take but I know that Jesus invaded this earth full of sin to redeem you from it. I know that God created you because he loves you. He wants a relationship with you. And everyone can have that relationship today. So if that's the step you need to take, if there's another step you need to take, if it's a step of baptism or church membership or whatever it might be, and you use that yellow card, you go to our website and click my decision. You let us know what decision you've made. And we'll follow up with you. We'll get you some resources to help you live the life God has called you to live.
as we prepare to end our time of worship today again. I'm so thankful to see you back here today, and I'm thankful to know that many others are seeing us right now as we are live on Facebook, YouTube, and our church website. We're so thankful that you tuned in and, and worshiped with us today. Going forward, we anticipate doing this. What we're doing today, we'll repeat next week. But I can tell you that the, the signs are still looking good. And we are looking, in fact, at our staff meeting uh, this past week, we mentioned Welcome Back Sunday that's on the way. It'll be here soon. And we look forward to that day when we are back to as close to normal as you'll ever get with me as your pastor when we get toward that day. As you prepare to leave today at home as well, realize that uh, we, you, you're always able to give. We ask you to give, not to pay salaries or not to do anything else other than to fund and fuel ministry and mission through First Baptist Church Milton. You can do that online at fbcmilton.org or also if you're here on campus today, when you leave today, there will be receptacles that are available for you to drop in an offering. If you brought that with you today, you feel free to take advantage of that. Before we leave though, I wanna close and I want to uh, close us in prayer, asking God to apply the word that's spoken to our hearts. Father God, we're so thankful that you are a good God who has done good things for us. And God, we pray that in all that we say and do, you will be honored and glorified, for you made us for your glory. So help us to exalt you. Help us to praise you. If there's one who needs to make that decision today, we pray they would make it. In Jesus' good name, amen. God bless you online. We'll see you next week.